Previously on No Reserves Radio. Oh my god, Angelo. Come on. Have, have some self-respect. The Eagles can't hurt you if you don't if you don't constantly pander to them. Here's how here's the biggest indictment of, of Dame that I can say. Dame has been so like off this year that Ren went on live air and said Jalen Brunson deserved an all-star start over him. You are now Angelo Dudalulo. Do you think it is possible that the management of the Memphis Grizzlies are just buying into the reckless youth movement and they got rid of the one person in the locker room that probably was telling John to knock it off? Because um, he's taken advantage of me multiple times when I was younger. That sounded bad. Holy <laughs> shit. Yeah. I think I think that's true. I think you're correct in that assessment. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of No Reserves Radio. I'm your host, Angelo. With me, as always, is Alex. What's up, Alex? What's up, Angelo? What's up, guys? Ready for another show? And uh, not a very eventful week, was it? So, like, remember last year when the, when the Senior Bowl happened and we got... Like, who can Nakua to be excited for? For example. No, because I don't think anyone was hyping up Puka Nakua. But I wow. get the feeling. Yeah, I get the feeling. It, it just feels like this Senior Bowl is just... It was so uneventful. It was so, like, there's nothing here. There is nothing here. Or Cooper Cup the yeah. one year. Do you Do you remember Cooper Cup the one year, man? No. Oh. Cooper Cup one, yeah, that was that was a fun one. Yeah, for the senior bowl, like even the guys who were people were looking out for, like Michael Penis, for example, even he I believe skipped the the game, the actual game. He, he was present in the session before, but then he skipped the game like pretty last minute stuff, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, a very meh type of senior bowl. It's just it's just so disappointing. Everything about this this prospect evaluation so far up to this point has been so disappointing. Um, did you see yeah, that Caleb Williams weekend. said that he'd be excited to be a bear? Oh uh, yeah, I saw it. I saw it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And did you see that the betting markets have taken out? At least when I saw, they have taken out odds for Justin Fields. Uh, of right, where he goes right, next. Right, 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 right. And that combined with the video that I sent you, where he basically was getting hyped up just in fields, and then you could hear a voice in the background just saying, uh, ready to go home or something like that. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hmm. So how do you... how? Since you are like the resident Falcon Copium person, how would you feel about that? Knowing you have Drake London in a lot of leagues and or Kyle Pitts in a lot of leagues with Justin Fields going there. Sadness. Sadness. It's just sadness. It's just sadness. <laughs> I guess I guess for his flaws he did have a pre- he did 
gave a pretty good season to DJ Moore. So probably not super, super sad because he does seem to, at least Piper, because he, he can't really read past his for, uh, go past his first read. So I guess his first read is always safe. So at least one of those guys will have a pretty solid year. And then Kamet had an okay year. So yeah, maybe those two are okay. Uh, but it's not great for the Falcons prospect to actually con- have some sort of competition there for the division. At least in my opinion, they will be meat of the table. They will be what? Just mid of the table. Like, it's a term that you usually use in soccer, which is average, basically. We call that a jag, Alex. This is football. Or a jag, Angelo. I'm sorry. I was trying to bring some European culture here to you. No. But you're not interested in any of that. None of that. Yeah, I, I just don't think it changes a whole lot, to be honest. It's like, listen, what is realistically the difference between like Desmond Ritter and Justin Fields? A lot. A lot. A lot. Yes, a <laughs> Define lot. a lot. Hope. Hope. Ability oh, great! One gives deep. you hope. Ability <laughs> to throw it deep, and quite honestly. Yeah, I don't care because I don't know if you noticed. I did send it to you, but I don't know if you noticed. Oh, you cut up everything, dude. Good. (laughs) You need to go over all of that again. Good. John O. Smith got cut by the Falcons. Uh, May he ruin Pat Fryermuth owners with because he's going to the Steelers probably because of Arthur Smith. But may he ruin you know make Pat Fryermuth owners. Life of living hell, but he is he is off. He is not behind Kyle Pitts anymore. We have hope. There is there is hope among Kyle Pitts owners, and, and you know, let's we're not gonna talk about that if Kyle Pitts doesn't have a really good season that the Falcons are probably gonna fumble him. But regardless, regardless of that, John o. Smith is gone. It's like it's like the Falcons GM slash owner is a Kyle Pitts fantasy owner. That's how that's how the, the, the Falcons have been run recently. And unfortunately for Pat Fryer, new phoners in Dynasty, what do you he have to say? He hasn't signed with the, with the Steelers yet. We're ju- it's just... Yeah, yet. Yet. I think yet is just uh, the right word to use there. Yet because Arthur Smith sure loves him. He does. But you know what? He's not giving Kyle Pitts any headaches anymore. No more, yeah. no more tight end screens. <laughs> no more tight end screens to Jono Smith. That's gonna be Kyle Pitts now, baby. Yeah, great, great. Unfortunately for you, though, it's Justin Fields probably throwing those balls. Are you saying you don't have faith in Justin Fields to throw a tight end screen? Oh, I don't. Tight end screens, no. Like, I don't think he's that good, to be honest. <laughs> Throwing the screen. <laughs> you are just a full-blown Justin Fields hater at this point. I mean, it's hard for me to just... It's hard for me to trust anything the guy does. And it's really weird that people are, like, excited for him in any sort of sense. But maybe I just don't don't understand football. Maybe it's just a me problem. Could it just be a me problem? Yes, it's a you problem. Okay, great. Then he is great. I'm just not 
good at this, right? Yeah. Not at all. Okay. Not Great. All. Got it. Definitely got it. Good. You better <laughs> got it. Uh, but yeah, that's the first bit of news that came out today. Uh, there were other news, not that positive, uh, regarding, I believe it was Tyreek Hill. There was some lady that was going to sue him for basically breaking your leg while playing in a catch-up game or something like that. Uh, like a game in, I don't know, the backyard of someone. Uh, so she's pressing charges, apparently, for that. No clue what comes out of that. But with Tyreek, uh, Tyreek's uh, record uh -huh. in the NFL in terms of like cases, let's put it that way. Um, not sure if there's anything there that escalates it, but it seemed like a no story. It just crossed my timeline so much that I I mm -hmm. thought it was interesting to mention it. Yeah, I believe uh, Cameron said something along the lines of, you know, welcome to the offseason, Tyreek Hill is getting sued. Something like that. Something along those lines. So. It well, is true. <laughs> and then I believe something came out uh, like an hour ago or something where Justin Jefferson is facing a paternity lawsuit in New Jersey that accuses him of pressuring his ex-girlfriend to get an abortion per court filings. The mother is seeking health care and support. Uh, Justin, uh, Justin Jefferson, in his own counter-complaint, also pushed for a paternity test while demanding an injunction against the mother to prevent her from sharing information about the child. So it seems like she says it's his child. He seems to say it's not his child, I guess, if I'm reading this correctly. Um, so... Welcome to peak off-season football, where there's nothing to report outside of this. Hey, listen, there were plenty of people who got franchise tag. Okay. Oh, and cuts. And cuts. There was a cut today. That At least the one that I saw there was probably more. Uh, but MVS was cut. MVS? MVS got cut. Because I believe it saves the Kansas City Chiefs. And I can double check this Probably instead of going off of a Reddit comment. Uh, it saves them at least eight, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, uh, 12, 12 million. Yep, there it is. Yeah. It's so saves them 12 million in cap space, which there's more Chiefs news as well. I believe Legereus Need, since mm -hmm. you mentioned the tags. I believe he has been informed that he is going to get tagged if there's not an, a long-term deal to be reached. But the Chiefs also let him look for a trade, basically. So they seem to be in the same space as like a Tyreek Hill, perhaps, in which they probably think, and it is true, they got a few guy, a few young guys that did play pretty well last season. So maybe they're just in the ad space of... We're not gonna over splurge in this one position because we have players that can fulfill this position and there's probably better needs elsewhere. So it's either he takes their deal or he can go somewhere else that pays them like top hand cornerback money. While a big loss, I think they would live without him, to be honest. 
Without MVS? Or without Oh, Sneed. no, no. I'm... Yeah, Sneed. Jerry Sneed. Sneed. I mean, the defense is really good on the Kansas City Chiefs. So, yeah. I, so. I guess it would just depend what you got back. Like, like, what would you use that extra money for? Not, or if you get a move, like, what would you use the extra draft capital for? Like, would you draft more defensive depth? So, yeah, I mean, I could see a world where they send Snead, but at the same time, the DBs is, oddly enough, something that the Kansas City Chiefs probably do want because they're kind of constructed to beat everyone except the Bengals really it seems like and you kind of want to keep that advantage I think from what I've been reading I think the main issue here is that they're interested in paying Chris Jones right now so not Which super, they should, super interested obviously yes you think yeah. you so think you can, he's you the can best pass rusher in the NFL for some reason yeah he is <laughs> he probably is um, and they probably just don't want to splurge elsewhere, and I understand that because when you're comparing a guy like Sneed and a guy like Chris Jones, I think that they have more than good enough depth to cover for Legarius Sneed, while the same can't be said for Chris Jones. So I think they're just, and you probably can get, I don't know, likely a third round pick for Legarius Sneed. Um, and it seems pretty easy to do that deal, I guess, and maybe be able to find some sort of replacement for him in those rounds. While Chris Jones, you really can't do anything there. You really need to resign him. So I understand the move. It's easier to just move him off and find another replacement CB because they do have Trent McDuffie, who has played really well this past season. So I understand. Yeah, no, I get it. They're kind of in the the Kansas City is kind of in the point where they're trying to make moves and move money around so they can continue to be a competitive team, like a Super Bowl caliber team moving forward. I think it makes sense. sense. Uh, Anyway, I believe, yeah, after this cut from MPS, they have roughly nine to 10 million in cap space. Which we didn't discuss yet, but it took a huge bump, the cap space this year. Did it really? Yeah, I believe the projections, and I know this because of the 32-team league, I believe the projections were in the 240 million range, uh, if we just go by like what it usually rises. And instead of rising to 240 million, it rose to 255 million. So that's likely a 15 million difference that teams weren't really accounting for. So some teams got really bailed out here. And this, of course, just affects the projections for next year. Because, for example, for next year, if I'm not mistaken, and this is 2025, um, the projection was in the 256 million. So if we're at 250 right now, uh, you can imagine that it jumps even further. And I believe the current projection is 270 million. So you're looking at pretty big projection, uh, pretty big bumps 
in every single year. And mm-hmm. teams are just, for example, the Chiefs took a big advantage of it. Uh, the Saints also <laughs> benefit from it quite a bit. Saints probably get so, bailed out by it. Yeah, they in part they do. Let me check how different it is right now. Their position. But I think it really it really changes things up. Because I, I know they were over the cap by quite a bit. And even after all of this, after the, the crazy amount that they have this year, which is $255.4 million, they still are $24 million over the cap. What? And this is, yeah. And this is with a 15% increase that they weren't expecting. So if the increase didn't came, they would be forty million over the cap, basically. Sounds like a bad time. Sounds like a real Sounds bad like time. a bad time. But in in the very likely scenario, uh, in a very saints type of way, they are just going to restructure the living shit out of most of these players, which is really dumb. And I think. They are just going to do this due to the cap increasing so much. Because if the cap didn't increase as much, I think they would do finally do the blow-up here and bite the bullet. But since they are only $24 million over the cap now, which is basically $25 because it's $24.8 million, uh, I think they will say, just... Since they're it. only 24 Yeah, but because this is the Saints way, man. They just kick the can down the road, and it is what it is. Because for those of you who don't understand the cap, and I'm not, you probably do. um, Go for it. Go for it. Explain to the people uh, the NFL salary cap, Alex. Let's go. Okay, so people usually say that the cap isn't real because they see teams over the cap basically every single time. And what you usually hear a lot is restructures. So a team looks at a guy, it's usually a guy that has a pretty big base salary, so you don't usually see those on, like, I don't know, players just signed a new deal or players on the second year of the deal because those are usually loaded in signing bonus or guaranteed money. Um, So teams look at that base salary. And one thing that you can do in the NFL, it's a restructure. And the restructure is you grab that base salary, you take... I believe it's usually like you drop it down to the bare minimum to the position. So, for example, I'm looking at the Saints and they have Ryan Ramchak, uh, the right tackle. He has a 70 million base salary um, and a 27 million cap hit. So if they want to restructure him, they can basically look at his base salary save i believe it's close to 10 million so he had 7 million in um cap space and um base salary so they can grab a bunch of that base salary and split it through the duration of the deal that base salary becomes a signing bonus so it's money that it's guaranteed for the player um and the cap it drops quite a bit so for example let's say yes i don't know 3 years in his deal they look at us, uh, those 10 million, they take out uh, those 17 million, they take out, I believe it's roughly 15, because he has to have, I believe the minimum for him should be like one point something. So let's say they grab uh, around 15 million from this, that base salary. They split it across the three years in guaranteed bonus. So that's five in 2024, 
five in 2025, five in 2026. So they basically save 10 million doing that because on the year, in instead of having like the, which was it? Uh, instead of having the, uh, where is this number? Instead of having the 27 million, you basically take 15 out of that. So that's 12. And then at five, that's 17. You save 10 million. What that means is next year, you will have an extra 5 million in capital that you weren't expecting. The year after, you will have another 5 million that you weren't expecting. If the, the year, if the deal basically has a certain amount of years, what you can do is tack on a void year. A void year is basically like when the deal expires, that void deal becomes dead money in that year that the deal expires. So let's say this contract is three years. So it's up until 2024, 2025, 2026. In 2027, it, the deal expires. So they have another 5 million in that cap hit if they use that sort of like the void money. So while teams can do this for most players that they have that are veterans uh, to kick the can down the road, it's hard because then you are looking at players, for example, like this year, the Saints also have Cameron Jordan with a 23 million cap hit. That 23 million cap hit uh, is, uh, is divided by 6.3 million in base salary, 6.7 million in roster bonus, and then they have 10.28 million in restructure bonus. So that's money that they have been restructuring this deal every single year, basically. Uh, just moving the base salary down to the last year of his deal every single time. And now you basically hit the can down the road way too much. And now you have to face the, the can. Uh, and this is the issue with restructuring is that basically it comes a point in which either the deal expires and you have to take a bunch of that money because you tacked on a way too many void, void, you tacked on void years and you tacked on way too much, too much money on the void deals, on the void years. Uh, and in that scenario, basically you are either stuck with resigning a player who is likely to be in their mid thirties, uh, and save that void money that becomes dead money, or you have to let him go and you just take on the dead money. So they got bailed a bit here by the 15 million and 24, it's relatively easy to clear because they still have one, two, three, four. They have four, five, six players that I'm looking at right now that they can restructure to save quite a bit of money. Uh, they all have sal base salaries over the 7 million. So they are likely to restructure Ryan Ramchak, if I had to guess. Uh, the Mario Davis probably. Taysom Hill, if I had to guess as well. So those are guys that you might hear soon that they restructure or that they give extensions to restructure, which is fairly common as well for the Saints. But eventually the can just can't be pushed anymore and they have to face it on. So, but they are bailed here for a minute. So did that make sense to you? Or was I way too confusing? To me? Yeah. No, I get that. Oh, perfect. So, because I like my money, it's basically like deferring like loan payments, except you can do it multiple times. And eventually, you have to make that big lump sum payment. And the Saints are looking at 
that big lump sum payment for a lot of people, and they can't defer it anymore. Yes. Make it simple. See? It's basically that. It's You can defer until you can't. And you basically can't when the player is either too old or just doesn't want to resign because that can also happen. Like, for example, if they restructure a random guy who so expires next year. You understand, yeah, like, the intricacies of NFL contracts a lot better than me because you obviously run a 32-team league with real-life contracts. But... Is there anything in the NFL similar to the deal Shohei Atani signed with the Dodgers where he basically signed like a 10-year deal? Yes. Where the first two years were like $2 million. The first like half of it is like $2 million each. And then the other half of it is like huge, huge, huge salaries. But then part of the guaranteed money is going to be paid to him basically after he retires. Is Can you do that in the NFL where you can be like, okay, I want this player on my books. I need to pay him this much guaranteed money, but I'm going to do that in like $2 million increments every year for 10 years. I guess the closest to that would be Patrick Mahomes right now. Uh, so Patrick Mahomes back in... I don't know. Let me see here. 2020, I believe, or 2021. Yeah, it was 2020. So July 6, 2020, he signed a 10-year deal, $450 million contract extension with the Kansas City Chiefs. So for the first two years, he had under $10 million in cap hit. So he was getting a base salary of $825, uh, $225K, and $990K. Uh, and then it starts to to going up a bit. So in 2022 it was 35 million. In 2023 it was 37 million. Now it finally jumps up to the 58 million line. So it starts to have a bigger impact. Uh, and then, like for example, when it expires. So right now this current deal is set to expire in 2031, uh, when he is 36 years old. So. After, oh, no, my bad. It was in 2032. That's when the Dior expires. So when he's 37. So nine, uh, wait, 17 of September of 2032. So in the year that the deal expires, they will have, if I'm not mistaken, a 120 million debt cap hit. So that's yeah. money that they basically deferred from like, instead of being in the books in all of those years, they pushed it back as much as possible. And just, it's now in 2032 and 2020 and 2033. For anyone who doesn't get the scope of how large that is, that is like half the NFL salary cap for a whole team right now. Yeah, basically. The thing is, in 2032, uh, let's say the cap jumps, I don't know, 15 million per year. So right now it is in the what? It's in the 20, uh, 255. And it's 2024. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So eight years until this deal expires. Eight times 15 is, if I'm not mistaken, 120. 
So by the time the that money comes in, the cap total is likely in the 300 and what? 80 almost? 380 yeah. million. It's still almost a third of that. But it's like they are playing with the idea that the cap will always increase. So it's like it's like inflation, like 120 million dollars is not the same right now as it would be in 2032. Right. No, 100%. And of course, after that, like when you when you do a rest, um when you do a restructure and you add on the void years, when the money when it basically comes knocking, when the the void money comes knocking, you can basically give them an extension and it takes up part of that void money if you give the the extension prior to the contract ending. So if they give them an extension until the the deal ends, they won't have as big of an impact. And it's just basically you will be pushing the can down the road a bit more here. Uh, so instead of being like almost one third of the salary cap, maybe when they do have to face the void money, it's closer to one fourth or one fifth or even less than that, to be honest. So I guess this is the closest to the to the Otani deal in MLB. Curious. I thought I was just curious. I thought that would be a good thing to talk about. Is you know deals in different sports and yeah, it's just harder. So me and Ren see that because there's not a whole lot of like ten year deals basically. Oh, that's fair. That's fair as well. There's a lot more ten year deals than like baseball. But me and Ren had an interesting discussion on the basketball podcast because apparently there were uh, commentators uh, basically shit-talking Indiana, okay? And Ren posed the question, why is it that in the NBA players can be like, okay, I don't want to play in Indiana or I don't want to play in Cleveland, but you don't see that in the NFL? Why do you think that is? Could it just be the player movement in the NBA just so much bigger uh, than the NFL? You also have less players, and I guess the stars going to the point that I made uh, prior, they are just much bigger. Because you look at a guy like, for example, you look at the QBs in the NFL, and you and I know most of them if we see them without an an element. But then if you look at, I don't know... A great offensive lineman. Let's say that. A great offensive lineman. There's likely, what, over 50% of the the top offensive linemen? You probably don't know him if you saw them on the street. So, yeah. So, those types of players just can't have that big of a say. And I think part of it is just the NBA uh, allowed the player movement to begin with, with LeBron James. When he was like, yeah, I'm done playing for Cleveland. I'm going to Miami. And that's that. <laughs> I'm just not going to do anything here. Uh, I need to go elsewhere to win first. And you don't usually see that in the NFL. And if the player had that sort of attitude and it wasn't that big of a star, even players that are like big names, you don't usually see them pulling that or being so explicit without playing for a place because you just know that 
if the other team doesn't trade for you, the cap isn't as straightforward as it is in the NBA as well, um, then you're just sort of stuck in a place that you badmouth. So I just think it's way e easier to trade in the NBA than it is in the NFL. And players don't have s as big of a presence in the NFL as they do in the NBA. It's fair. That's very fair. Especially, especially the trade. Like the trade dynamic is like in the NBA, it's pretty straightforward. You match salaries after the player becomes eligible to be traded. You match salaries, and that's that. In the NFL, it's it's harder because if a team tries to trade a player, or if a player wants out after I don't know the first year of his deal that he just signed, then you're looking at a team that it basically takes a whole lot of dead cap money. Um, and it becomes harder for that team to to want or be even able to trade said player. In the NBA, that doesn't really happen, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. I haven't played 2K since 2K21, but if the things are the same there, <laughs> that doesn't apply in the NBA. So it's just easier to get trades going. Good point. Wasn't there like GM notes we want to talk about or something? Uh, yeah, there were GM news that I thought were interesting. Uh, so want to give props to the guy that I saw this from on Twitter. And because we give props here. We give props. We give props. We give props. I've actually watched a few uh, of his YouTube videos. Yeah, I did as well. I did as well. I like him. He's a good follower as well. Uh, so where is he? Okay, it's here. Can you say his name? Because I definitely can't say his name. <laughs> okay, so I believe it's Sal Vetri. Okay. I hope that's at Sal least Vetri. in the ballpark. Good, so he's good a good follow on Twitter. Good yeah. Old style, yeah. So is that Sal Vetri DFS? That's Sal V E T R I. So he basically gave us a thread of 17 key takeaways from GMs and coaches that spoke at the NFL Combine. So he mentions that they usually don't speak a whole lot, so it's important to listen when they do speak to the media and the Combine, it's usually where they do that. So I wanted to highlight a few of the quotes. So the 49ers, John Lynch, GM, regarding Brandon Ayuk, says that his contract extension is currently a priority. So a few weeks ago, there was that report from a friend of his, a family friend or something, that says that they wanted them out of there due to his lack of involvement in the Super Bowl. I believe we reported that here. Yeah, it seems like the Niners want to, to keep him. He had a career right, what, 1.3? K uh, yeah. yards. Yeah, he almost had fourteen hundred thousand or fourteen hundred yeah. receiving yards. Yeah. So yeah, I believe he mentioned that a whole lot during his interviews at the combine that he wants him to be a forty nine for a long time. Which is fair. Like I said, when when we talked about Ayuk, sorry, when we talked about Ayuk, I said that I think it's more of a does he want to go on his own and be the number one guy or does he want to stay in San Francisco and wait for his turn basically? Because I didn't think there was a chance that the 49ers would have no interest in re-signing IU. I think it's more, I think this is honestly more in IU's like the, the balls in IU's court 
than it is the 49ers wanting to get him back. They should they should want to get him back. 100%. And as I said back then, I think it's it would be smart for him to stay. Uh, just purely because I think he has a connection with Brendan uh, with Brock Purdy. He knows the system pretty well. Just moving off teams. The grass isn't always greener on the other side. I guess that's the saying that you can use here. And while it is possible that he might have a bigger role in another system, like Debo isn't going to be there for a whole lot of time. We know that. We know that his type of play isn't really too friendly on his body. So I'm not saying that he, he's going to fall off next year or something, but it's he's the type of player that you, you don't give like a lot of extensions to, if I had to guess, and his deal isn't really that long anymore. Same for Kittle, to be honest. So there could be a scenario in a nearly, in a nearly future in which he is the de facto number one in that team, so I think it's just better off to stay far there. Away. <laughs> That's like two years. Uh, come on now. <laughs> yeah, I think it's it would be a smart move for him, to be honest. That's fair. Next one. Uh, your Bengals. A Bengals executive, yep. Duke Tobin, didn't rule out a potential trade for T. Higgins. So T. Higgins was franchise tech this week. Uh, but a trade is still possible, although unlikely. Give me your thoughts. Although unlucky. I'm... Okay, that's fair. I mean, I've, I said it to you earlier. I don't think the Bengals have this large swath of weapons that we can just be trading away T. Higgins all willy-nilly. Now, the value for a wide receiver of T's caliber, as you said, is a first or a first plus, which could help alleviate that, but... Outside of Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, the wide receiver core is fairly thin. Tyler Boyd is getting older. I think eventually we're going to have to look to find out who our next Tyler Boyd is. Our tight end, we gave Irv Smith Jr. a chance, and I'm not sure. And Burrow got hurt, so it's kind of hard to evaluate Irv Smith Jr., but I'm not sure if he took or not. It's just, it's just it's a tough call. It's a tough, tough call. And I don't think we should move Higgins unless this is like some 40 chess move to make sure cap space is available on the off chance that someone in the Vikings organization smokes meth or does cocaine and doesn't resign Justin Jefferson for some ungodly reason. And then we throw the Brinks truck at him. I don't see why we wouldn't want to keep T Higgins. Yeah. <laughs> As I said, I think it's just like you can't really pay everyone. So there comes a point in time in which you have to make the decisions on the players that you want to to keep or to cut. And having like... Who have we paid like that? I mean, how much do you think T. Higgins is going to get? A decent chunk. Yeah. (laughs) Like, right now his his tag is for 20... So his cap hit, if he were to sign the tag, would be $21.8 million. Uh, see if I see this market value here. So his market value, according to Track, and this is usually like 
It's an extended, it's usually a conservative one. So it's 18.6 average annual salary. So they predict a year a deal around four years, 74 million, which I think, to be honest, it's pretty low, wouldn't you think? Four years, 74 million. Yeah, that is actually, that's not, that's not a bad deal for T, honestly. Yeah, uh, but to be honest, I think it would be closer to, I don't know, That's less I than would 20 million. Would... That's just the 20 million a year, just under. Yeah, it's 18.6. Yeah. It's what they're predicting him to be. I don't know. That puts him in line with guys like Mike Williams, Chris Godwin, Deontay Johnson, Christian Kirk. And if you notice, none of these players signed the deal like in the recent memory. Like Kirk was the latest to sign, if I'm not mistaken. And he was in 2021 or 2022. So with the cap increases, I would be surprised if he goes for anything under the twenty two and a half million, if I had to say, per year. Mm-hmm. So if if you're looking at that and it's like twenty two point five million for T, then it's like for Burrow, it's what? It's in the fifties. Uh he has he signed the extension yet? I don't recall. I think he, I believe he has, yes. In fact, let me see what Burrow's yeah. contract okay. is. Yeah, he signed it in uh September. So if you're looking at that and then you're looking at I don't know five years or whatever. Million. Yeah, you're looking at fifty five per year. So if you it's just like it's fifty five here, twenty there, then it for Chase it's gonna be it's gonna be top of the market. So you're looking at another 25. So it's like on offense, you're investing what? Almost 100 million per year there. I just think it's way too much and it's all at the same time. So, and I heard like a few years ago, if I'm not mistaken, Anand Nanduri, I believe that's how you say his name, on Player Profiler. And I believe one of the issues that he had with like the Bengals as a whole in terms of like giving up those big extensions is that they usually don't have a whole lot of cash fluidity. So in terms of like paying the salaries and the signing bonuses, it's always hard to give up those those big numbers straight up. It's not a thing that they're like broke. Um, it's just like they don't, they don't have a whole lot of money uh, up front. So like if you gave like Burrow last year, deal in the uh, i don't know how much i'm at yeah with 219 million in signing bonuses and now this year you're giving it the to a deal to t higgins in the 60 million in signing bonus probably less than that it's probably around the 50s if i had to guess in the 50 million signing bonuses and then next year you have to give jamar chase another deal with over 50 million in signing bonuses it just seems like a whole lot when you have other positions to fill up. So I don't really think that he stays, to be honest. I think that's a, that could, yeah, that's a pretty fair evaluation, quite honestly. I'm just saying I want the team to stay together. That's, that's just, that's the yeah, of thing. course, of course. That's fair. But uh, if there was one year in which the player, in which you could probably find not as good of a player, but you could probably find a player to help commentate that that missing piece of T. Higgins, it's probably this class. Like, the wide receivers 
should be pretty good. And I read the reports earlier this week in which, although like the three top guys are getting a whole lot of hype in regards to Marvin Harrison Jr., Malik Navers, and Romeo Duze, Duze? Bad with names. Yeah, I believe that's. Yeah, you, you can't. <laughs> oh, Tuesday, I believe that's that's how you say it. Uh, although those three were getting plenty of hype, uh, the belief around the Combine is that the the GMs and all that really like the older guys in the class. So your Xavier Worthy, your, I don't know, uh, the other guy from, I believe it was Texas... Uh, no, Florida State. Keon Coleman, for example. Those guys were getting a lot of traction as well, the older guys in the class. So it just seems like it's going to be a very deep wide receiver class. And if there was one in which you could just dip your toes into and find a quality replacement, it's probably this one. So another first would really help you guys out, I guess. Yeah, no, a first would go a long way. Hmm. Okay. We're not next one. The Raiders. Uh, I believe it was the GM, Tom Telesco, which was the GM for the Chargers. Great move there, Raiders. Great move. Um, <laughs> they said that they want to bring back Josh Jacobs. So I believe the quote was, he's a Raider. We're going to explore pretty hard to bring him back. Jacobs posted over 1.1 total, 1.1K total yards in 2023. So and he also shut the door on Devontae Adams trade rumors. So it seems like they want to keep Jacobs and Devontae Adams, despite a whole lot of chatter about chatter about them being moved. What do you think? Do you think it happens? Do you think it's just like playing hardball? Quite I honestly, Jacobs... I think because of because they signed their interim coach. I think that the interim coach does have some loyalty for the players that obviously went on that run at the end of the season so that they could finish, if I'm not mistaken, it was 8-9, and nine, correct? Yeah. So I believe the sentiment. With that said, I probably wouldn't resign Josh Jacobs. I just, I just think the running back position is too like disposable at this point to be like, yeah, we're gonna keep this guy around for six plus years. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they find a deal around the three year mark. Like it's hard to sell player on that, especially a running back. Um, maybe uh, when is the next? Oh, what's that thing that you call uh the players? The one thing in which the players and the NFLPA uh, round around to to vote, what's that on the players? What the? Do you know? Contract uh, negotiations. The, what? the television deal? No, it's not that. It's the um, they signed one the not a whole lot of time ago. The CBA. That's it. Maybe uh, when is the new CBA? That is an excellent question. Uh, uh, NFL uh, CBA uh, expiration. So it seems like it expires March 30, in 2030. Yep. Yeah, 2030. So this is not really in play here because they sometimes wait for that, the new CBA, because it sometimes brings them better rules. So you see players like I know a few years ago when that got signed, the 2020 CBA, 
I know prior to that there were a few players targeting like maybe they they would pass on bigger deals to target the 2020 uh, deadline. So have their deals expire in 2020 so that they could take advantage of the new CBA. I was wondering if it could come in play here, but no, it's not definitely hard. not. No one is giving him six years, I think. So it's hard to sell a player on three years, but I, if I had to guess, that's the angle that the Raiders are going for. Just giving him a three-year deal and just writing him off like probably one, two years, and then the third year being mostly like a dummy year in which there's basically no guarantees. If I had to guess that's what happens right now. But he does seem to enjoy the Raiders. Under It seems to be someone that the, the interim head coach wants to keep around. So now I guess the head coach. Let's take out the interim. Yes, he is now the head coach. Hopefully for the better. Yeah. But yeah, I understand wanting to win with, with these guys. And I believe the Raiders are linked to a quarterback in the draft. I believe Cameron has said that he yeah. wants them to select J.J. McCarthy. We'll see. But regardless, yep. I think I think they believe they're a quarterback away from being a playoff team. So they could. I mean, they were eight and nine, and the defense was great to end the season. So. It was. It was a lot better than it started the season. That's for sure. I mean, it was. I think it was the best unit since Pierce took over. So. Or for a stretch there, not immediately after he took over. But they were great. So maybe they are just a QB away. So bring the band, the band back. I think it makes sense. What's Next the- up, Vikings coach Kevin O'Connell brought up Ty Chandler multiple times. Uh, mentioning, and I quote, seeing him assert himself was a positive for our team, and he also stated that going into year three will be a huge opportunity for him. So, just bringing up a guy who is a late, late, not, I don't think it's late, I think it's just day three, I believe he was a fifth-round pick. A fifth-round pick was on his third uh, third year, he showed some flashes last year, they don't really have a running back that they are invested into. I don't even think that Madison is on the current roster right now because I believe the deal expired. So could Chandler be the running back to home in the Vikings backfield this year? Or do you think they have someone? Oh, of note, like they of course are going to add someone. So, of course they're going to add So, if this was a normal year, I would probably say this is an absolute nothing burger. There is absolutely no hope that Ty Chandler starts the year as even remotely potentially a starter for the Vikings. That said, this running back draft class, at least so far, appears very weak. Very shitty is the word that you want to use. (laughs) And unless they're going to alleviate that running back position via free agency, which is not the best, historically speaking, has not given the best results. <laughs> I don't know what else you can do. So I, I could see it. When I, I'm not going to lie. When I first read this, I went, bullshit, no way, bullshit. This is nothing. This is coach speak. 
And then I thought about it and the, the situation, the Vikings and everything, I was like, you know what? Maybe this is a statement Maybe? of necessity, not necessarily a statement of what they want to do, per se. Hmm. Yeah, I sort of believe you because they don't seem to be a team that because they they do have to figure out the QB stuff, and I think that Kirk is probably gonna stay there and he is gonna have a pretty big deal if I had to guess. So they don't seem to be in a position to pay a running back. Now this draft class is this draft class is quite shitty. But the free agent class is sort of okay, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, there is... I was looking up the free agent tracker here. Because I know there's a whole lot of free agents for the running back position, but I wanted to give you the list. So the guys who are currently free agents at running back. We're looking at Derrick Henry, Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, Tony Pollard, Tony Pollard Austin Eckler, and then we take a dive because then it's Cordell Patterson, it's Gus Edwards, it's Ezekiel Elliott, Devin oh, Singletary, which we will talk about later. Here's the thing. Name those top guys again. Derrick Henry. Looked worse. Josh Jacobs. Had a good season. <laughs> Saquon Barkley. Looked worse. And he still had a good season. He's, yeah, he honest. did, but he did look marginally worse. Go on. Yeah, I think it's just just the offense in general. Yeah, it could. Everything about Tony Pollard was shit. Definitely looked worse. Definitely looked worse. And I think part of the reason why was just his inefficiency. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to throw a lifeline out there because Tony I'm Pollard. Missing one, I'm missing one. Did oh, go ahead. Oh, okay, you're talking about Pollard. Tony okay. Pollard go, go. did enter the season hurt. So I'm curious exactly what percentage Tony Pollard played the season at. Because I know it wasn't 100%. Hmm. So maybe, just maybe, instead of regression, because Tony Pollard actually hasn't taken that many hits to justify the regression that we saw. Maybe, just maybe, he was banged up for all of the season, and when he comes back next year 100%, he'll have a bounce-back year. I'll give that caveat. That's in the range of outcomes. That said, something that have a worse season. Here. What? Something that is interesting here to me is that he played 17 games. Derrick Henry played 17 games. So those are the only two guys out of the big name list that played 17 games. Tony Pollard uh, had over 125 snaps more than the second next guy in this list, uh, which had... 670 and was sick on Barkley. So Tony Pollard had 795 snaps this year. And I'm kind of surprised about this. He is older than Josh Jacobs and yeah. he is the same age as Saquon Barkley. Yes. Isn't that wild to you? Considering he just got the job, yes. But he was also behind Zeke for the yeah. longest time. Yeah. I just have completely different ideas on, on those guys. But yeah. Almost 800 snaps this year. He did have a 1,000 yards rushing. 311 yards receiving. He was very inefficient in the goal line, and I think that's probably a concern. Maybe it's just an outlier, and maybe it's the injury. 
Or maybe he's just one of those players who was better off as a 1B than a 1A. So he's basically like Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones, no, my bad. DJ, AJ Dillon. So he's AJ Dillon. A worse, a better AJ Dillon, I guess. I think Kareem Hunt would be an apt uh, comparison, especially post Chiefs Kareem Hunt, like the Browns Kareem Hunt. Hmm. I don't know. I sort of always like Kareem Hunt. Are you saying that you don't Apart like from like last year, Tony Pollard? Oh, I don't like Tony Pollard. Wow. Wow. No, I think Tony Pollard got way overhyped last season. Wow. Like people saw the the Dallas Cowboys offense. People thought, okay, the, here's a guy that's gonna take all of the snaps away because he did look explosive the year prior behind Ezekiel Elliott, and I just didn't really think that he was gonna be the sort of guy that can do that as a 1A and can't be that explosive when he has to take, like, I don't know, twice the amount of snaps in which he took uh, in the year prior with Zeke. So, I never was that big of a fan of Pollard. Okay. I don't know. I like Pollard. That's just me. Okay, so no old running backs for the Vikings. Is that what you were going to say? Yeah, who was the last running back after Pollard? Sorry. Austin Eckler. Yeah, and we've been talking about him being over the hump as well. Yeah. So, I don't know. No veteran running back. Could I see Minnesota offering for one of those guys? Yeah, I could. Would they like the result in the end? I don't know. I do think that maybe Austin Eckler and Kirk Cousins would be a nice combination to go with Justin Jefferson. But at the same time, if you have to commit years to that, that's that's a tough call, dude. That's rough. I think if they are indeed sold on Ty Chandler, I think they are likely a team that goes for one of those middle-of-the-pack running backs if they don't have anyone on the draft. So I'm talking about, I don't know, Antonio Gibson, for example. I think it would be a solid guy for them. Uh, I don't know. A.J. Dillon as a two, J.K. Dobbins. So they take a chance on one of those guys instead of going for the cream of the crop. And those guys likely right. cost you, I don't know, less than $4 million per year. Maybe you give them a two-year deal in which the second year is has no sort of guarantees. So you can just cut them off if, if need be. I think you're looking at those type of deals instead of the, the big guys like the, the top five, six guys that I mentioned. Okay. Next up. The Ravens GM into that a change in the running back room. Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins are both free agents. Expect Baltimore to draft or sign a new running back in free agency to go alongside Keaton Mitchell. Hmm. That's interesting. First stand of a running back to be drafted here. Could the Ravens like one of these guys? Potentially. I think that playing alongside Lamar as a running back is generally an easier life. Not that being a running back is easy, but I think if there's a quarterback you want to play, Lamar can throw it. 
Lamar is an elite threat to run. So if there is a quarterback who's going to open running lanes for you, Lamar is probably the best. So Hmm. maybe they aren't a fan of how unlucky, absolutely unlucky J.K. Dobbins has been with his injury history and the fact that he's demanding money. Maybe they liked what they saw out of Keaton Mitchell when they brought him in and they want him in, on board with a you just basically just start over, start fresh. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I don't really think that they resigned. Um, Dobbins, so I think it, it... I think it's likely that they go through the draft, to be honest. Just have two cheap guys that can impact the game and can be a a decent tandem. And as you said, Lamar just really eases uh, the need for that big, that great of a running back. So with Lamar there, you can just sort of half-pass it, if I had to, to put it in those terms. But my question here is, regarding the rookie running back that they might draft... Do you think that, assuming the other guys are as bad as we think, and like so, none of those guys get drafted in the first round, all of them are like late second, would you say that whoever goes to the Ravens, if he's at like halfway competent, uh, competent throughout the combine, do you think he immediately becomes a running back one for Dynasty in yeah, terms probably. of like this class? This class, yeah, probably. Okay. In fact, here, I'll go one step further. The person that the Ravens select is going to go mid to high first round. That's what's going to happen. So you're thinking about the 5-6 pick? Or maybe even, well, depending on what format you do, or maybe even higher. But yes. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. You think it would be, let's say, the first three are locked in non-superflex. So yeah. let's say it's Nabbers, it's Marvin Harrison Jr. Not in this order, but Nabbers, Marvin Harrison Jr. and Ndunze. Do you think he goes after those three guys? Potentially. Depending, it depends on the height, but yes. I do believe okay. that it, if Baltimore selects a running back with one of their first two picks, the hype, okay. will, be, the hype will totally be there. It'll be all there. Regardless. And the third round pick. Do you think it changes anything? Because it's still a day to... That's still a pretty big pick. I I think it gives some people pause, but I think it's still, like, the hype will still be there. So, I actually just got... has some breaks, but not the full breaks. Yes. Okay. So, I just got sent something interesting. Apparently, the NFL PA did their yearly survey of the NFL head coaches, and apparently they did it. They released the average grade of everyone. So, like, the highest is an A+, the lowest is a D. And this this was players. This is how players rated their head coach. So, would you like to know who got the three lowest scores with a, with a no, C+. I, plus, a <laughs> I C- saw that study. Oh, you already <laughs> saw that? Okay. But give it to the audience. Okay, so the... The third lowest score was Arthur Smith with a C plus, which he deserves it. That may, when I <laughs> saw that, when I saw that, I a smile came to my face. I was like, yes, yes. You feel vindicated. I feel vindicated. Yes. 
The second worst was Rob Rivera. And the absolute worst with a full letter grade lower than Ron Rivera with a D was Josh McDaniels. Poor Josh. He's not even coaching anymore. And he's still catching strays. So, interesting enough, I'm going to go to the top three. Because two of the top three I could have predicted. The third one was actually kind of surprising to me, which is... I actually didn't look at the top three. I know it was Andy Reid, but I don't know the rest. Okay, well, the top three, and tell me if this if this clears for you. Two of these three definitely clear for me easily. So the top three with an with an average grade of A plus was Andy Reid. Was Dan okay. Let me Campbell. get the other one. Okay, you said the other one. Okay, let me try and guess the last one. Okay. Um, Mike McDaniel's. No. I couldn't have guessed this. No. I definitely could not have guessed this. Okay, so it's a very dark name. Yeah. Hmm. They didn't even have that great of a season. Okay, they didn't have that great of a season, but a coach that seems to be love. Uh, is it the Saints guy? No. Okay, because he was with the team for a while, so... I thought it could be it. Uh, was it Eberflus? No. Okay, final guess, and then you can say it's... Eberflus uh... was actually in the same grade with Brandon Staley and Robert Sala. Oof. Oh, so that's great. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> Oof. Okay. I'm gonna say Doug Peterson. No. That was a good okay. guess, though. Who was it? Kevin O'Connell. Oh. Of the Minnesota okay. Vikings. Okay. So, yeah. do you have any insight? Because that doesn't clear to me. <laughs> oh. I mean... <laughs> I mean, he has been with the team for a while, and I think that counts for something. Uh-huh. Uh, and he did have a pretty great season. The, not this year, but the year prior. Yeah, when Kirk Cousins so, played the whole season, and when Kirk Cousins did play, Kirk Cousins was a, was a borderline top five quarterback. So makes sense. Yeah, I think it does. It's probably because of that, <laughs> likely. But yeah, very. I would never guess it as well. I had three or four tries, and I didn't guess it. So there you go. So a, one. a lot of the a lot of the people that you did guess though were literally right below them. The Zach Taylor was here. Mike McCarthy got an A. Ah. Wow. He's still the coach for a reason, I guess. Wow. Mike McDaniel was here. Nick Sirianni was here. Kyle Shanahan is here. So. Eh. Interesting. Anyway, on with your list. I thought that was an interesting segue. It was, it was. uh, And I did want to bring it up uh, because I saw it earlier as well. But it was a nice segue. Thank you for bringing it up. Yeah, no problem. Okay. A few more here. Giants GM, Joe Schoen. I believe that's how you say his name. Stated that he feels good about getting a deal done with Saquon Barkley. 
Chowen went on to say that he wouldn't rule out a franchise tagging Saquon for a second straight season. Are you kidding me? Ish. Another franchise tag would be pretty massive, to for be honest. Then you're looking for a running, for a running back. So, for those of you who don't know, he got franchise tag last year. So, if you franchise tag a player again, you basically uh, you have to do the calculum again of like how much the top five average gave him that sort of salary. And then you have to add on, I think it's like, I don't know, 15% or something. So you're probably looking at a cap hit, and those cap hits can't really be split across multiple seasons. So you're looking at... It's a franchise tag! It's a one-year thing! Yeah. Um, So you're looking at, if I'm not mistaken, a, I don't know, something along the lines of 16 to 70 million cap hit just for that season. Which doesn't seem like a whole lot, but teams usually run a very tight budget. And they have, for example, guys like Danny Himes getting a ton of money this year that they, you don't really want to restructure that sort of fella because I'm not so sure that he stays with the team a whole lot longer. So it's hard there. Uh, another franchise tag would be pretty crazy for Saquon, to be honest. But I think he either stays with the Giants on a long-term deal, and here I guess it's going to be a three-year deal, probably, or four with very low guarantees, or he goes somewhere else. And the rumor has been, for a bit, the Texans. How do you feel about the Texans and Saquon? How does that marriage go? Feels really good, honestly. Yeah. At least the Texans are finally rumored and shit. Like they 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 figured out CJ Stroud can do this, and now they're like, yeah, we kind of gotta we kind of gotta start building this team now, huh? Yeah. Might want to do that. Talk about him. You might want to do that. Who doesn't build a team around their great QBs? Uh, right? Yeah, certainly. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that's an interesting one. I think one of those situations will happen. I don't think he gets franchise tagged again. I think that's that would just be wild to me. But moving on, the Vikings coach Kevin O'Connell also said on the podium that he made it um, made it clear that he wants Kirk Cousins back in Minnesota. So again, as I said before, I think this happens i think he does stay with minnesota probably i don't know a short deal he's probably fully guaranteed but lower money i think that's what likely ends up happening i think kirk likes minnesota i think minnesota likes kirk to an extent and i think uh, they are just making sure that they can keep justin jefferson and this goes a long way probably yeah yeah no I'm pretty sure that Minnesota has Justin Jefferson and just about everyone in that building in their ear trying to keep Kirk. Yeah. So I I understand people trying to overlook Kirk Cousins. Like, why would you pay? Why would you want to fully guarantee his contract? Why would you want to pay a guy like this? There aren't that many quarterbacks better than Kirk Cousins. And quite honestly, 
if you were in free agent, you're not going to find a better one, first off. And second off, if you were to draft one, the chances that they turn out as good as Kirk Cousins are not as large as people like to think. So and I think that plays to the strengths of the Vikings and their offer. Because for for one, like I'm not so sure what he could get in the open market that he couldn't get with the Vikings. Uh and on the other end, like he also ter- tore his Achilles, if I'm not mistaken. So like you're coming back from an Achilles injury, you're what, thirty something years old. I don't think there will be a line of teams wanting to give you a fully guaranteed deal. Uh, so if I'm the Vikings, I'm just... I wouldn't go crazy with the money. I'm okay doing it a fully guaranteed because that seems to be a trend on his career. He never played for a contract that wasn't fully guaranteed so far. Yep. But I think that happens. I think the money won't be anything crazy, like breaking the bank or anything. But I think both sides want it to happen. And on on, on Minnesota sides, they're plenty of players involved there that wanted to happen as well. So I think this is probably the first thing that happens in terms of like the big QB movers in this not movers but like players in this in this agency in this free agency. I think this is likely the first deal that happens. Yeah. I, I'm interested to see where Kirk Cousins goes if it's not Minnesota because it could be very telling. Like, there are a few teams I could see offering for Kirk if he doesn't go to Minnesota, Tennessee being one of them if they don't. Although it seems like uh, Brian Callahan seems to like Will Levis. But regardless, even if Tennessee isn't the team, Atlanta, if they don't go Justin Fields, could be an option because they want to upgrade their quarterback. And quite honestly, I'm surprised Atlanta wasn't more heavily favored or wasn't more heavily rumored. So, yeah. New England, if they don't go a quarterback. Washington, if they don't go a quarterback. If they don't like Sam Howell, I could see that. So, yeah. Yeah. There's a few more here. I don't want to go through the whole list because there were 17 here. And some of these are quite extensive. Yeah. But I wanted to highlight this one for you as well. Okay. But your guy, Rashad Bateman, might not be dead. Ravens coach John Arbaugh <laughs> on Rashad Bateman. He said he's going to get the ball a lot more this year. I think I'm the only Bateman one who still just... has Rashad Bateman in the in the dynasty world. Maybe. What is dead may never die. Isn't that what they say? What is dead may never die. Absolutely. So you better off just keeping him. But Bateman caught just 32 balls across 16 games in 2023. But it's, Maybe it's I'm crazy, nice know. but the catches he did make, he did look impressive. I'm not, I'm just saying, he did look impressive when he was out there. Hmm. I remember some, and they were okay to good, so yeah. maybe you have a point. Yeah. And it's good, like, it's not good that you're, he's entering what is fourth year of his rookie deal i i get he's entering mistaken. his fourth year but also he's still only like 24 now going into the season yeah but it's at least good that your coach still has your back somewhat so that's at least a positive yes yeah 
Another one, but this one is for me. Lions coach Dan Campbell on Jamison Williams is going to no. push to be a starter this season. The former first-round pick has 25 catches across 18 career games. So there's hope, Jamison Williams fans. He's there's dead. hope. Hey, what is that may never die, in it? <laughs> what is that may never die? You're going to be here year four of his rookie deal with him still rostered, I'm sure. Just like me, buddy. Yeah. Just like me. Yeah, that is what it is. <laughs> uh, but at least Jamison Williams fans can have some sort of hope here. He did look good last season. And as you said for Bateman, in the catches that he did make, he looked good. And he, he got the touchdowns. He was used as a deep threat. So there's at least some hope here. At least it's not as bad as Terrace Marshall. At least I didn't draft Rashad Bateman everywhere, and he's still lingering on my roster. Terrace Marshall is still like a ghost on my roster, basically all my rosters. Yeah, buddy. Sorry to disappoint you, but I don't believe there's a single tweet here that mentions Terrence Marshall. You sure? Sure. Maybe maybe he's Bryce Young's (laughs) number one target. Yeah, I doubt it somewhat, to be honest. (laughs) Okay, next one. And this one, I think it's interesting because this is a big player. Packers GM, Brian Guttenkust. Is that how you say it? Gudenkust? Gudenkust. Something like that. Gudenkust. Wouldn't commit to left tackle David Bakhtiari. I've learned to not make a decision before you absolutely have to. Packers, Packers have, would save over Packers, $20 million. Packers have got to be the biggest fucking cheapskates in the NFL. Probably. But, I mean, it's $20 million for a guy who basically didn't play the whole last season. He's and who has struggled with injuries. in the NFL! The best, avail- the best ability is availability, isn't it? So what, you're going to let him go to Kansas City so he can block Patrick yeah. Mahomes? I had to guess, if he were to be cut, Cincinnati I'm, like 90, nah, I'm like 90% it would be to reunite with a former QB of his. Oh no, you're not saying the Jets. It's the Jets, man. I'm like ninety percent sure. He seems to be a very Aaron Rodgers type of guy. So, but yeah, saves twenty million in cap space if they cut Bakhtiari. Now they are not struggling for cap space. Listen, that's exactly what I was about to say. They have their quarterback, their top three wide receivers. And half their offensive line on rookie deals. Why are they still saving money? And it's not like it's not like it's not like they're gonna spend the money in free agency. Crazy! What are they doing with the twenty? What are they gonna do with twenty million dollars, Alex? What are they gonna do with the twenty million dollars? Just want to point out that even with all of that, they only have ten million in cap space right now. What are they gonna do with that twenty million, Alex? I don't know. Go get a, a, a left tackle that isn't always hurt. You don't spend money in free agency, so where are you going to find them? Ah, maybe they do. And do you know, and I saw this the other day, do you know, if you had to guess, what's like the extension that you would propose to Jordan Love? What's the number that you would think that 
he likely signs for. Because I was shocked when I see what they the people think he will signs for. He will sign for five years, one hundred seventy five million. There's my guess of what the people think. Okay, it was close. I believe it was four years, two hundred million. So, fifty millions per year. That's wild to me. And that you know, Joe Bur- that's you and Joe I, Burrow's contract. Yeah, it's just shorter than Joe Burrow's. Oh my god! But yeah, that seems wild to me. There's no. And way. you know that I I I've liked Jordan Love. I defended <laughs> Jordan Love entering last year. You did as well. Yeah, but like so- one year. Of have was we very good to be played? Have come on now. Ha, have we has the the ship sailed? Like have we come full circle? Where now we're gonna have a full season where we talk about how Jordan Love isn't as good as people talk him up to be? Has it come to that? Has 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 the ship is. gone the full path? It's a whole. I'll say it's a lot easier. To be praised when you're making, when you're having a 4.4 million cap hit or a 12 million cap dollar hit, a 12 million dollar cap hit, than when you're making 44.5 or 50 million per year, to be honest. (laughs) That's crazy. Listen, Jordan Love had a great year. I'm not taking anything away from Jordan. You did? But but that seems wild. First off, let's let's just let's just say something. First off, you drafted him in the first round. You pick up the fifth year option. Then, then by the way, fifth year option. That's that's not this coming season. That's the season after that that happens. Then you figure out. By then, you have three years of productivity, three years of script on the books. Then you figure out if you want to sign him to that contract. You don't do that now. You absolutely don't do that now. Hey. If he balls you, next you year, also asked. You do it actually. But go on. Uh, but what if he balls out next year? And I guess. And you pick up the fifth year option year. and start negotiating with them. But regardless, you don't give them oh, Joe. If you give them <laughs> Joe Burrow money now, then what's, what, what's worse? Honestly. That's serious. What is worse? What could he ask for that is worse than that? He's going to okay. ask for number one quarterback money? Are you are you kidding me, dude? Okay, so my thing is, for one, right now, I believe they picked up the fifth-year option last year. Smart. Uh, then they renegotiated the deal, and instead of, like, I don't know, I think it was instead of playing on the one-year option this year, basically has a contract that gave him some more guarantees because he signed the deal and I believe he fully guaranteed the base salary this year. So he got more money, basically. So the fifth-year option isn't really on the table. What they have right now is that it's a free agent next year. So for one, after the year that he had, I thought he plays on a $10 base salary deal. And two, if you're basically forcing him to play on this type of deal, I'm not so sure if he's the type of guy that is super loyal to Green Bay and will just be able to ride with you again. So I think just 
not dealing in bad faith is probably advisable here. So if he does ball out this year again, and he is a free agent next year, and things are okay, let's put it this way. So things are okay, he balls out this year, um, and next year he signs an extension. The cap is going to go up next year again. So instead of 44 to 50, maybe you're looking at, like, right now, top of the, the end, top of the QB market money. So you're looking at, I don't know, so next year, if he does ball out again and they are in the playoffs again, you may be looking at a 55 to 60 million. Would you really be able to risk 10 to 15 extra million dollars per year just by taking the gamble that it doesn't work out? Weird. Because what looks cheap right now or what looks expensive right now might look cheap in another year. That's my point. You might be right. But I don't know. If if you're debating whether or not you need to give that money or not, then he's probably not the guy. That's all I'm saying. Was there a debate with Patrick Mahomes giving him the money? No. Was there a debate with Joe Burrow? Not really. Josh Allen? Mm, some, but not really. That's my point. More than the other two, I'd say. That's my point. It, it depends where but you then it's think like, his ceiling Were is. there a debate to give the money to Jalen Hurts? Huh? Wasn't there a debate to give money to Jalen Hurts? Between us, sure. In Philadelphia, no, because they gave it to him immediately. Okay, then maybe in Green Bay there would, there hasn't been that discussion either. True. That's, okay, that's fair. That's more than fair. But I think we kind of get hung up on the Dak situation too much, and I don't know, man. Doing it, there's just a difference to me between producing for one year and producing for two years. And that's fair. I think it's safer if he had produced for more seasons. Yeah. But I think if you take that risk, you're risking, that's a risk that costs you, I don't know, 10 to $15 million per year. That's fair. That's fair. And it's the thing, it's like, you're not even betting against it because if that, if that, let's say, let's put it this way. If the risk pays out and he isn't the guy, then next year you're looking for a player. So you're not really happy with the outcome. Yeah, you're betting against yourself, I guess. If you do pay him, you're just praying that he, he just keeps this up and you believe in him. So I guess it's better to not bet against yourself. It's a good point. That's a very like, good point. Would be like me betting against the Seahawks or you betting against the, the Cincinnati Bengals. Sure, you might win, but you would probably rather be on the other side. Yeah. The old, the old match, the old game. So. 100%. Okay. Since we still have some time, I think. A uh, few more here that I think were interesting. Russell Wilson might be done in Denver. GM George Patton stated, "We wanted to. We want to see the entire QB landscape. Sean Payton needs to sign. see all these QBs before we make an informed decision. That's Cutting Russell good. Wilson would result in over eighty million in that cap hit. If there's one organization with the balls to take that hit, it's Denver. Yeah, 
And to be honest, I'm not so sure if we have talked about Russell Wilson a whole lot here, but I'm of the opinion that they should take the hit right now because when you cut a player... He didn't look that bad, dude. It's just... I think there's just way too big of a rift between what he can do right now and what Sean Payton wants to run in that offense. Mm-hmm. And it's wanting if the player... That's better. I mean, you're sitting at 12. You're sort of praying for a QB. Yeah. I think that's that's the thing. And when you cut a player, there's two things that you can do. You can cut him with a pre-June 1st designation or a post-June 1st designation. What this means is, on June 1st, if I'm not mistaken, it's when the new league year starts. So when the new league year starts, it's when all of the deals become valid for 2024. So when you're looking at a team's page and you see that Team X is 20 million over the cap, it's not really happening right now. Uh, It's just a projection. The deals only become valid when you are the... The caps only become final when you go for the new leagues year. Now, it might be June 1st. It might be another date. But the date for the cut is June 1st. So when you cut a player prior to June 1st, you're basically taking the whole cap hit on the season that you're on. So you're taking, let's say, let's say the new league year starts, I don't know, in March. Because I think it's actually that. I think it starts in 20-something of March, 21, if I'm not mistaken, of March. If you cut the player in, I don't know, any day between that or right now, I guess, even, to June, to uh, May 30th, May 31, whatever. If If you cut the player between those dates, the cap hit that you would take, the dead money hit, it's all on the season that you're on currently. So it would be all in 2024. If you cut it past June 1st, it splits between 2024 and 2025. So that's why you always hear players like sometimes they have, like, for example, Zeke last season had a post-June 1st uh, cut designation. So that means the player is basically with the team until June 1st, and then it gets cut. So... The signing bonuses and all of that, that it's guaranteed money, it just splits between the two seasons. So some teams do that to better take on the hits. Some some teams do that just to get rid of the, the hit, take the, the pre-June first hit, just to get rid of it in the entirety and then have the clean books the, the year after. So mm-hmm. I think for Russell Wilson, they could do this for Russell Wilson. They could cut him past June 1st. The issue with that to me is that you're basically burning two seasons. And I'm not a fan of that. I'd rather just have the clean cut this year, even though it is going to be like in the 80 million range. So for the sake of it, uh, pre-June 1st release, if you cut them uh, today to, yeah, 17th of March is the new league year. So say you cut the player today. You have an 85 million debt cap. Say you cut the player past June 1st, you have a 35 million cap hit this year, then you have a 49.6 million dollar cap hit the year after. So instead of taking the whole hit this year, you're taking just what you were going to take this year, and then you take the rest the year after. Now, you're basically burning two seasons here because you're playing without like 50 million in 2025. 
instead of playing without 85 million this year, what do you think it's the best solution? To me, it's just taking the clean hit right now, take the full entirety of it, just roll with it. That. Instead of just like hurting two seasons, I don't really think it makes a whole lot of sense. Per you, you have to basically work your whole roster around that hit because it's a pretty massive hit. It's almost ninety million dollars. But still, man, I'd rather do that than have to work basically two full seasons around the cap hit. You're just like dancing around the problem. Yeah, no, I agree. I'd rather take the cut, take the hit now. The season's kind yeah. of Except for a season. Yeah. Yeah. And be good yep. years after. I think it makes sense. I agree with you. Perfect. Okay. So we're actually almost done. There's not a whole lot left. Yeah. Bill's GM Brandon Bean stated that he will prioritize yards after the catch guys in free agency or the draft. Gabriel Davis is a free agent and ranked 58 in yards after the catch in 2023. So it seems like they want to go in a new direction here in the wide receiver core. Interesting. So, uh, Debo Samuel to the Bills? (laughs) I I actually understand where they're coming from there because... I do believe that they put too much on Josh's shoulders. He is expected to be the top rusher, the top passer, and quite honestly, after the tight ends and digs, there's really not anyone who's going to be getting like yards after the catch. So he has to basically move the ball down the whole length of the field as well with his arm. So I understand that. You want playmakers when you have an explosive quarterback like Josh Allen. And quite honestly, as Josh Allen gets older, they also are going to need to address the running back situation because he can't be the leading rusher for the Bills year in and year out into his 30s. So they got they got a lot of figuring out to do. Yeah. I agree. I think it would be a good change here. Um, just targeting those guys that can ease out Josh Allen. It's just hard to find those guys, isn't it? Like the yards after the catch guys. Because if you went with that narrative, like the big guy, the big yards after the catch guy from last season, uh, last season's draft, my bad, was the infamous Quinton Johnson. So if, like, those guys seem hard to get right. It's like you want those guys to have that skill, but that skill not to be their defining trait. I guess that's that's what I think in in those yards after the catch guy. It's like whenever I see a guy in which it's like, yeah, he's in yards after the catch guy, but that's just it's just basically it. It screams red flag to me. It's like Debo has another dimension to his game, and Debo seems to be a dime a dozen. But those guys are usually very hard to pan out. That's at least my experience while playing Dynasty and while just watching the NFL for a while now. Would you agree with that? Do you think it's just me aiding on guys that are Quinton Johnston-like? What do you think? I think so, because yards after the catch, quite honestly, is 
kind of hard. Well, not kind of. It's very. It's hard to predict. It's not the same year after year after year after year. So I think what Buffalo is trying to say in between the lines is they kind of want more speed guys that can do something with the ball after the catch or can burn down the field. Would you not agree? Yeah, I think I would agree with you there, yeah. I think so. Hmm. Just think, if it's not in free agency, I'm not so sure that I would risk it in the draft, though. I think I would target the more traditional wide receiver, per se. Yeah. I understand that, but just you also have to understand that there are multiple roles in an NFL offense. They have their prototypical, like, alpha wide receiver and Stefan Diggs. Hopefully, it's, he may, he looked like he was <laughs> Hopefully. down the stretch, but regardless, they do need someone who can take those short and intermediate routes and Put make take those for like extra gains, first downs, and touchdowns. That was definitely lacking in the Bills' offense. That's fair. Maybe I'm just too risk adverse. Yes, you are. I know. I I get it, man. You're a pussy. It's okay. <laughs> Might be it. Okay, so it's. I think that we are five away from completing the list. So I guess it's just. Better to take those out anyway. Yep. And we might skip what we had planned to to finish the show at this point because it's getting what? It's getting closer to the two hours mark, right? Yes. Okay. So Titans coach Brian Callahan hinted that he prefers to take a wide receiver at pick seven. That seems risky to state out loud. He also stated that the team needs to add speed. So the best speed wide receiver right now in the market seems to be Marquez Hollywood Brown. But that seems wild that you would go on a podium in front of all of the media and say that you would prefer to take a wide receiver at pick seven. That is crazy. I think think you're just screaming at someone to jump you for a wide receiver. That's wild, man. I would never say that. I would just throw the smoke and mirrors out there. Maybe he is. He could be. Maybe it is smoke and mirrors. Or maybe it's this, like... I, I don't know how to explain it. Maybe he's hoping Malik Mabrish falls to seven, and that's what he that's what he wants to take there. Hmm. And I would he's... think that if any of them fall, it would be uh, Odunze. Yeah. No, for but sure. Maybe not. But here's the thing. Yeah. I haven't checked out Adunze's tape. Isn't Adunze more of a like your prototypical alpha big wide receiver? Is does he have blazing speed or no? Because I I've never just based on his frame, I never caught him as someone with like a burner. Is that a fair assessment? Uh I think I think he has some speed in him, yeah. Okay. Like I don't think it's it's never speed, but I think right. it's, he's gonna have so good that, speed out there. That's my point. Speaking of which, speaking of which, let's talk about some of this shit. Marvin Harrison Jr. isn't gonna do a single drill during the combine. 
Yeah, and as far as I understand, he's also not going to do a single drill in the pro day. So nothing. What do you think? So I understand what likely happened is he understands he's going top three. There's nothing that's going to change that at this point. So he's not going to risk the like testing in something that he knows he's not good at. Because let's be quite honest with you. I believe that Marvin Harrison Jr. and most of the top wide receiver prospects in a given season understand what their scores likely are going to be going into that combine or that pro day. They they understand a range at least. So what do you think the aftermath is of this in fantasy football? Because I don't think there's anything that's going to stop Marvin Harrison Jr. from being a top three pick in the NFL. Do you think that the Nabbers believers are going to come out of the woodworks and if Nabbers has a good pro day, they're going to have Nabbers wide receiver one talks? Because I think that's definitely going to happen now. To be honest, I, I'm not sure if I agree with you in the first part even. Because not testing at all. And I know, I know he is probably ahead of every single other wide receiver. But everything I've been reading up so far, it doesn't seem like he is head and shoulders above every other wide, every other wide receiver. And in this case, I'm meaning Nevers. I'm not so sure that he's head and shoulders above Nevers. So I wouldn't rule out the possibility of if Nevers like goes out there and has a thundering combine. Like he could have, to be honest. I think he's the type of player that can have that sort of combine. If he does that, I wouldn't rule out and you have nothing on Marvin Nevers in Jr. Now, if Nevers does that on the combine, now maybe you see uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. do something at the pro day. Uh, but I wouldn't rule it out if teams have some conversations amongst them, uh, amongst their like personnel guy, uh, but their top end guys, uh, of having Nevers ahead of Marvin Harrison Jr. in their board. Now, would that be the case for the Cardinals, for example? I'm not so sure. But what I'm saying is, wouldn't shock me at all if Nevers having the great combine, if by the time that the draft ends, we see some teams that had Nevers ahead of Marvin Harrison Jr. in their board. That wouldn't really shock me because it seems like they are closer than we wanted to believe at start. So, hmm. For fantasy, I guess for fantasy, it's gonna depend a whole lot on the landing spot and what happens in the combine really if he does have the thundering combine i could see some nevers workshippers just no. getting out of the woodshed but no, i don't. think you don't the the consensus would still be he, marvin Harrison jr i believe the consensus the general consensus will be marvin harrison jr but i yes but if if Marvin Harrison Jr. does not test a single day before the NFL draft. I don't think... I think it's very likely Malik Nabbers, by at least one prominent content creator, is going to be listed as the wide receiver one. 
I think it's inevitable. I think I think there is about to be a hype train for Nabbers that he didn't think was possible until today. Thank you, Alex, from the past. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think there's going to be someone. I, but again, the consensus will still be Marvin Harrison Jr. Yes. But it's going to be like a noisy minority who thinks that. Exactly. There, yes. That, that, yes. That is accurate. That is what I was trying to say. Yes. Yeah. It's a noisy minority. Would be fun if, like, by, I don't know, in a month, I'm sitting here and it's like, yeah, Nevers is really the guy. Hmm. Save that for later. Maybe. <laughs> That'll be me. Because I have a soft spot for the LSU wide receivers. You do. You do. That is true. Okay. Another news for my Seahawks. Seahawks new coach, Mike McDonald. Mike McDonald on Geno Smith. Like, great endorsement here. I I don't know. <laughs> yes. He, Geno Smith, is the starter until he's not. Okay. That's like great. <laughs> I don't. I'm not so sure if that's a great endorsement on the guy. It's like, does that mean that he's the starter until he doesn't play well and then he's not the starter anymore? Uh, does that mean he has a short leash? Does that mean he's the starter until he just you just don't give him a new contract? I don't know. I think you can. Interpreted in uh, different ways. What do you think here? I think that means Geno Smith's not getting another contract. Hmm. The current one, I believe, yes, two more years, if I'm not mistaken. So this year in 2025. I can double check that. So Geno Smith. Yeah, it's this year and then it's 2025 and he's a free agent in 2026. The 2025 contract, though, they can cut him and save $25 million because it has like $14.8 million in base salary. The guarantees are very small. It's like it's a restructure and it's the signing bonus. That's it. Then he has... 14.8 in base salary and 10 million in roster bonuses, which means like if he's on the roster on next time, he gets it. If not, he's out. What if the Seahawks were to go for Kirk Cousins? Hmm. I doubt it because that would mean that Cousins signs a one year deal. And I doubt he does that. Just, just throwing it out there. Just throwing some stuff. Mm. I don't. I don't really think. I don't see it. I think it's likely that he is the starter this year, the whole season. Maybe we see them at the young QB, the draft. Because I think in the third, fourth round, there will be plenty of guys that go there. And I could see the Seahawks taking a stab at that. Uh, but I think he, he plays the full season. 
is the best bet that we have. He is the best bet that you have. But I do think yeah. you guys are about to start exploring other options. Could be. I mean, this is a new coach who has no, like, owes him nothing, has no affiliation with him. So. Mm-hmm. Okay, three more here. The Patriots will be in the mix for a QB, apparently. OC Alex Van Pelton, director of scouting. You Elliot don't say. Wolf, stated all doors are open at QB. New England will meet with Drake May, Caleb Williams, and Javen Daniels this week. Hmm. So, hmm. this could also mean that like, this doesn't exclude them going to the free agent market. So, just in the mix for a QB, every door is open. So, maybe even the Mac Jones door is open right now, apparently. Mac Jones for another year as the Patriots starting QB. What if Mac Jones goes Give me a hell yes. Yeah. Um... <clears throat> If, if we're just getting guys that I like, maybe just trade for Zach Wilson. I believe he has been granted <laughs> the permission to seek a trade today by Joe Douglas. So, yeah. <laughs> just go for him. Probably cheaper. Probably cheaper. Okay. Close us out here with the last two for this topic. The Texans are interested in bringing back tight end Dalton Schultz and running back Devin Singletary. Singletary really took over the role as the starting running back by the end of the season. Like Damian Pierce just wasn't really a fit for the Texan system. Honestly, like, I'm not sure how likely it is to happen, but I wouldn't be super shocked to see a surprise cut from Damien Pierce. Like now, uh, it is like they are paying him $1.1 million. Cutting him basically saves them, I don't know, saves them 781k. So not a big saving. But like Damien Pierce didn't really mesh with the coaching system, with like anything on offense. Like single targets just look better than him in almost every single sense and every time that he was out there. So doesn't really shock me that they want to bring him back. If they don't go with a Saquon or someone like that, I could see Singletary being back. I could see them adding via the, the draft as well. But I don't think that Damien Pierce will be a factor anymore. Sad times. Because he did have a pretty great rookie season. I- Great for a rookie in the fourth round, I guess. But yeah, it's it's happening. What I said regarding Damian Pierce back then was that he's a great play for year one. I would trade him everywhere the next offseason, which is basically what I did with Michael Carter the year prior. So I'm sad to see it happening, but it is what it is. You're not getting me with that. Nope. It was last season that you should have traded Damien Pierce. Now it's way too late. Yeah, now it's just way too late. Now you just ride it and hope that he lands somewhere. Because he did show 
to be a compatible, uh, a competent running back in the NFL in this first season. So maybe it just goes somewhere and sparks his career. And finally, the Chargers GM wouldn't commit to Keenan Allen. We're raggy. So, Quinn yeah, Johnston, we I mean, Did Quinton Johnston has no wheels. Like, they can't be up. <laughs> has no wheels, has no wings, has no nothing. So, it's just like, he's just planning. He's just waiting to just crash out. If you say so. And yeah, those were the takeaways from the 17 takeaways from the NFL combine from coaches and GMs. I think it's it's interesting to listen to some of these because sometimes it goes against the narrative that you sometimes hear in the media and all of that. And it could help you make uh, fantasy uh, fantasy decisions. If you're, I don't know, if you're into betting the NFL draft market, for example, in the the Titans section, in which the the coach did mention that you would be interested to take a wide receiver at seven, maybe it would be a good time to take a bet there that one of those three guys goes to the Titans. I'm guessing the odds on that is pretty juicy right now. So yeah, interesting to take a look at that. Uh, how much time do we even have left? That's the question. We've had this for two hours, Brody. I think I think we can we can call it here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll save two things for next week, Ooh. which is the NFL Combine. So mm-hmm. the results from the NFL Combine, we'll discuss we those here. The results. And I guess let's go. Yeah, finally, we'll have the results. And I guess we can also discuss Mel Kuyper's round one NFL mock drafts and compare them to the one that we did last week. So, should be a fun show next week. Tune in, guys. Don't forget about that. Uh, anything else to add, Angelo? Or do well, I sign us out? Alright, then. Out. As always, guys, as Angelo used to say, there's a nice little donate button there that you can click to help us out. If you're listening on Apple Podcast, if you're listening on the Spotify app, just leave us a five-star review, just follow the podcast, and turn on the auto-download as well. That really helps us out. And if you're listening on YouTube, do all the things that everyone always tells you to do. Subscribe, like, leave a comment, turn on the notifications, do all of those things. Really helps out the show, helps us out, helps out the whole No Reserves Radio. Um mantra and yeah stay tuned for next week hope you enjoyed this one and talk to you guys next week have a good one nice